Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. guys, and welcome to the Moms and Murder podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing really well, thank you. I feel like we just spoke. I do, too. It's so weird. It's like deja vu. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> yeah. We just recorded our Patreon episode for June, and um, if you want to see every month we have bonus episodes, or you can get ad-free episodes over at patreon.com slash momsandmurderpodcast. I don't think we meant to plug that there, but it's there. We just recorded it for this month, so you've got almost four years, because our four-year anniversary, I think, is coming up this week. It is. Isn't that crazy? It is so crazy. I cannot believe it. I don't really remember the beginning which tells me I don't either yeah right (laughs) except when people write to us and they're like oh I just listened to blah 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 episode and I'm like oh my gosh I forgot all about the horrors of that existence forget everything I said (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah but yeah we have like four years worth of almost four years worth of bonus episodes so if you've run through all of our episodes you can find extra ones there every month we put them out yeah, so we're moving into July. I'm looking forward to 4th of July coming up. I mean, I'm, I don't know why. I look forward to things just because they're things, you know, and they're like, right. it's like, it's something on the calendar that's like, oh, that's coming up. So 
I'm looking forward to certain things just because they are things. It's usually fun going, you know, just hanging out by the water usually on 4th of July for my family. And um, we usually just hang out with family and have a day. You know, we'll usually get some fireworks for the kids to do some small ones or sparklers or whatever. So, yeah. So it's going to be hopefully a fun day. I know you have a special birthday in the family also. So it's a special weekend for you as well. So, yeah. Our local fireworks do um, fireworks on July 3rd, and that's my son's birthday. And so we've told him that they do fireworks for his birthday. So I, I always that. feel like yeah. <laughs> the celebration can be a little smaller because we're like, look in the sky. Uh this is all for you. Yeah. This is not us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My um, nephew is actually born on New Year's Eve. So it's kind of the same thing. There's yeah. always a party. And, uh, you know, it's always been like, oh, yeah, it's for you. It's always. Um, but it's not birthday. like Christmas like, or something where right. it's like a yeah. big thing. It's like we're here celebrating anyway. And now we have to bring you a present because right. we're see you. it works out great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's perfect. It's perfect. Um, so, yeah. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited um, to be moving forward in the summer and just marching on marching on yes marching on as always onward we march (laughs) and we are going to march right into this episode um for this week So as a consumer of all things true crime, it sometimes can be hard to remember that the stories that we tell each week are highlighting situations and crimes that statistically have a pretty low chance of happening. Even though we've covered a few stories where an adult was abducted by a stranger, most recently the horrific story that we did in June about an Australian woman named Anita Cobby, the odds of an adult being abducted by a stranger are incredibly low. So low that I actually couldn't even find statistics on such occurrences, believe it or not. When you type the words kidnapping or abduction into Google looking for this kind of information, the only things you really find are related to minors being kidnapped or human trafficking statistics. As far as statistics on how likely or how often an adult is abducted by a complete stranger, there's really no data to be found. So I have to admit this was a little unsettling for me as someone who likes to crunch numbers. Percentages really comfort me, especially when it comes to statistics like this. Yeah. You know, so one statistic that I did find was that the odds of a minor being kidnapped are extremely low at one in 300,000. So that's just a tiny fraction of 1% of a chance. So we can reasonably assume that the number of adults that are being abducted is even lower than that. In cases of adults being abducted, it's often hard for investigators really to know what direction to go in. In a large number of missing persons cases, someone who's close to the victim or at least knows them is involved, and a little bit of police work leads them to their suspect. But where do you begin when a stranger abducts someone and there are no witnesses? This was the nightmare that the Cornwell family experienced in the summer of 2009. On August 11, 2009, Doug Davis was enjoying a quiet evening in Atlanta when his girlfriend, Christy Cornwell, called and wanted some company while she took her evening walk. Although Doug and Christy hadn't been dating very long in the big scheme of things, it was only about seven weeks in, their relationship was really getting serious, and they had been talking about a long-term future together. So even though Christy was over two hours away in Blairsville, Georgia, Doug was happy to chat on the phone with her while she walked. 38-year-old Christy had previously suffered a bad fall where she severely injured her tailbone and left her with permanent daily pain. So her evening walks, where she did a four-mile loop, really helped alleviate the pain. As the summer wore on and the temperatures reached peak summer heat in Georgia, Christy started taking these walks later into the evening when it was more tolerable to be outside. 
At this particular time, Christy was staying at her parents' house while she was on a four-week break from school. Blairsville is a very small town in the North Georgia mountains with a population of just about 700 people at the time of the story. It was a very quiet, quaint community in a rural area that didn't see a lot of travelers. Christy's parents lived on a very obscure, unmarked road with almost no traffic, so Christy felt perfectly safe and at peace taking her walks out in the fresh air. But on this particular night, as Christy walked along her usual route, chatting with Doug, she noticed that a car was approaching her. When the car stopped near her, Christy told her boyfriend Doug that something weird was going on and there was this car there. Moments later, Doug heard the sounds of a scuffle taking place, followed by the horrific sound of Christy screaming, don't take me, before the call ended. My gosh. So I cannot begin to imagine the horror that someone has to feel after being on the phone with somebody and hearing this. So Doug frantically calls Christy's mom, Joanne, who was at her house where Christy had been staying, and tells her, you know, what happened and tells her to call 911 right away. Joanne is totally flabbergasted by this and cannot believe or really understand what Doug is even saying, but she knows by the tone and urgency in Doug's voice that whatever was going on was real and it was urgent. At 9.20 p.m., she called the Union County Police and reported what Doug told her about her daughter. The GBI was already in Union County investigating a homicide, and they were able to respond quickly to the area where they believed that Christy had just been abducted from. Authorities located the area where Christy was abducted, and there were signs of a struggle, including her shoes, glasses, and cell phone earpiece that were found in the area, but there really weren't any other clues. Doug, of course, being her boyfriend, was interviewed, but he was quickly ruled out as a suspect. As we said, he was actually in Atlanta on the phone with Christy at the time of her abduction. So officers began their investigation into the sudden disappearance of Christy Cornwell by learning more about who she was and who she was connected to. Christy Lee Cornwell was born December 20th, 1970 in Hiawassee, Georgia, to parents Joanne and Harold. She grew up in the tiny town of Blairsville with her brother Richard. Christy was the type of person who was always very cautious and very smart about personal safety. She really thought everything through. She was very, very strong. She took firearms classes, and she even taught self-defense to others. She was also a bit of a daredevil. She once rode her motorcycle down the Dragon's Tail, which is one of the most dangerous roads for bikers in the entire country. Christy graduated from Union County High School in 1989, and she went on to earn a degree in criminal justice from North Georgia College. She went to work at a state prison in Blairsville and also worked at the Towns County Sheriff's Office and the state probation office. In 2002, though, Christy decided to go back to school full-time, and she quit her job. She decided to dedicate all of her time to pursuing a different type of degree in medical laboratory technology at Dalton State College while interning at Union General Hospital. By 2009, Christy had been divorced three times and had a 15-year-old son named Brody, who she shared custody of with her ex-husband. She had recently started dating Doug Davis, but their relationship was serious enough that Doug actually referred to her as his fiance whenever he spoke to police and others following her abduction. When Christy had been taken, she was staying with her parents because she was on a four-week break from school. Christy really seemed to have a pretty average and ordinary life with little to go on in terms of figuring out who would want to hurt her. For 11 days straight after her abduction, a massive search was taking place with 100 plus people from 15 plus different agencies, plus search dogs, all looking for Christy in Blairsville and beyond. 
People searched on foot, on horseback, and ATVs, and there were even divers who were searching the waters. Of course, the scorching summer heat meant that the volunteer searchers had to work in shifts and stay well hydrated. But there was no sign of Christy anywhere that they searched. On August 14th, three days after she was last seen, Christy's phone was found by a homeowner who was mowing their lawn off a state route. The phone had been thrown from the window of a moving vehicle, which was a hint that helped police kind of narrow down which direction Christy's abductor was traveling in, which led them to being able to expand their search. Investigators were also able to determine that around 11.30 p.m. on the night she was abducted, her phone pinged a cell tower in Union County. And we're going to get back into so many more details of the story after a quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. A few days ago, my phone was running low on storage, and my son asked me if he could just delete a few things so he could add one of his games. I said, sure, but make sure you do not delete Best Fiends. And that's because Best Fiends is still my go-to for a quick break to use my brain while still having a fun time doing it. Best Fiends is the most fun matching puzzle game that's out there. Plus, it's free to download, so there's no reason not to give it a try to find out exactly why we love it so much. And there's always something new brewing on Best Fiends. There's new events, challenges, plus new characters and worlds to unlock as you play. I am definitely a Best Fiends enthusiast. There's just something really satisfying about taking on a new level and trying out different strategies and swapping out various fiends and then beating the level that can really give me a win I need for that day. I'm on level 1,584, which is a number I wear with pride. Also, if you're playing Best Fiends, my code is 2542573. You can add me on the game so we can keep up with each other, and you'll see why I'm a hardcore Best Fiends champion. Download the five-star rated puzzle game Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. We've all heard about Hot Girl Summer. Well, as someone whose nephew recently guessed her age at 50 or higher, I will not be participating. The only Hot Girl Summer I'm acknowledging is Girl, It's Hot Summer. Living my life thinking I have to look a certain way or weigh a certain amount to be in this hot kind of life is really garbage, and it's why I'm a big fan of Noom. Noom uses a psychology-based approach to help you find a healthier balance and relationship with food so it's moldable to your life, and because of that, it's more sustainable. The Noom app is not only super easy to use, but you'll actually enjoy opening the app just to get support from your Noom specialist or just gaining a little more food knowledge. Food shouldn't be scary. It should be fuel, and with Noom, no food is good or bad. It's just food. Noom only asks for 10 minutes a day. That's just 10 minutes to help you take control of your life. And because Noom is flexible, it's easier to stick to Noom long-term. In fact, 80% of Noom users have finished the program and over 60% have stuck with their goals for at least a year. I'm coming up on a year in September and I feel better than I have in years. And that's because my goal isn't a magic number on the scale or to be a certain size. I'm really just eating better and exercising more because it makes me feel better. And that's all I can really ask for. Those other things are just a product of a plan that actually works thanks to Noom's psychology-based approach. Start building better habits for healthier, long-term results. Sign up for your trial at Noom.com slash moms. Again, sign up for your trial today at Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash moms. Now back to the episode. So before the break, officers were investigating the disappearance or abduction, rather, of a woman named Christy Cornwell, who was talking on the phone with her boyfriend while she took this evening walk that she took, and she was suddenly abducted by somebody who pulled up in a car beside her. 
So the investigators were working really hard to determine whether Christie's abduction was a targeted event or if this was something that happened at random. Her three ex-husbands were all looked into and ruled out as suspects, and by the end of August, investigators announced that they did believe Christie was abducted by a stranger who was familiar with the area, but that this was a random event. By the night of August 15th, investigators had received many calls and some potential leads. The calls included sightings of two different vehicles around the time that Christie was taken. These vehicles were reported as being a large white SUV and a tan or gold subcompact car such as a Toyota or a Nissan, and these cars did not belong to anybody that lived on this secluded road. On August 16th, the investigators announced that probation officers had been instructed to question nearly every registered sex offender in the county and in nearby counties as well. Authorities also looked into Christie's history as a probation officer to see if there could be any potential leads there, but that was just another dead end. On the 11th day of the search for Christie, the GBI called off the physical aspect of the search, but they said that they would continue to investigate her whereabouts. Later in August, Christie's family appeared on America's Most Wanted and announced a $50,000 reward. They also created a website and distributed flyers, keychains, and bumper stickers. Her family, in this case, really did a lot to help with searching and to help bring her home. I always think it's so incredible when families just band together and they just start getting the word out there. They organize and they get flyers and they really try to get the information out, especially when it seems like the police are kind of losing steam a little bit on their search. Right. Unfortunately, the America's Most Wanted episode would be the last major media coverage of the Christy Cornwell story. Her case ended up going quiet after that, especially since officers were no longer physically looking for her. But as I said, Christie's family refused to give up searching. They built a heliport to help accommodate quicker searches. Yeah. And they rented helicopters or they worked with volunteer pilots, which was something they were fortunate because Christie's brother had connections because he was also a pilot himself. So he had connections that most of us probably wouldn't have in terms of yeah. renting helicopters and having access to helicopters. The family actually auctioned off their lakefront vacation home, which this was really sad. They had owned the home that had been in the family since 1958, and they sold this home for $390,000 to help raise money for the search. They ended up using these funds to pay for helicopter rentals, to put ads in the paper, and they also had 80,000 copies of a postcard printed that they mailed to the area residents. Christie's brother Richard gave up his engineering job to dedicate himself 100% to finding his sister. He started spending about 80 hours a week working on Christie's case himself. Oh my gosh. Think of how much that says about Christie herself, though. That I know. Her, her family's willing to sell their house, do whatever they need to do. Her brother leaves his career, gives up everything. I mean, to me, that says so much about their family, but also so much about her and what she means to them, to their family, to be willing to literally give away all their things, their earthly things, to just for the hope of finding her, to not give up on her. She was so loved. Yes. So knowing Christy's background with personal safety and self-defense, her family and friends really remained hopeful that Christy would be found alive. Her brother said, quote, I think she's better prepared for this situation than anyone else. That's what keeps us positive. Her friends and family just knew that Christy would not only fight back, but she would put up a good fight too. But still months passed with no new information. 
It wasn't until December of 2009 that investigators received their first credible lead. They announced that they believed they had made a connection between Christie's abduction and another attempted abduction in North Carolina. On August 2, 2009, at around 9 p.m., a woman in Ranger, North Carolina, was walking alone near a community center when a silver neon Xterra hit her from behind just enough to knock her down. The driver gets out and approaches the woman, but when another car pulls up, the man quickly gets back into his Xterra and takes off. So the woman's able to see the side profile of the man's face as he drives off. And authorities were asking for the public's help in finding this man and his Xterra. Apparently, the officer spoke to this woman in North Carolina, never filed a police report. Oh my gosh. I know. So officers working on Chrissy's case never knew about this potential connection until the woman hears about Chrissy's abduction and calls the GBI tip line herself to report it. Oh my How goodness. Incredible though. Wow, like to- yeah to think to like, oh my gosh, they don't know about me. I've got to make this known because this could be connected. Thank goodness for this woman. So then there's an investigation, of course, into why this officer in this case didn't make a report. He said he wasn't able to confirm if the incident was a hit and run, so he didn't file a report. I wonder if the other car stayed around. You know what I mean? That kind of stopped, that deterred the other person, because I would think that person could be like, yeah, no, I saw somebody hit her and leave, and (laughs) this was hit and run (laughs) by definition that's just wild so investigators believe though that it's possible that this error is what slowed down any progress on christie's case which you just hate to hear stuff like that oh my gosh yeah so once the gbi has a description of the suspect in the north carolina case they release a sketch and a photo of the vehicle the man they were looking for was described as being in his mid-20s with dark hair driving a silver nissan xterra with tinted windows and a brush guard on the front of the vehicle. This tip that came in from this North Carolina woman was the only solid lead investigators had received in Christie's abduction. And GBI Special Agent Mike Ayers said, quote, I would say there are a great deal of similarities, end quote, between Christie's abduction and this attempted abduction of the North Carolina woman. Things really heated up in the case the following month, though, in January of 2010, when an anonymous letter showed up at sheriff's offices in Union County, Georgia, and Cherokee County, North Carolina. The author of the letter was a woman who claimed that her grandson matched the description of the man they were looking for. She said he was 27 years old, looked like the sketch of the suspect from Ranger, North Carolina, and that he drove a white Nissan Xterra with black bars on the front. The letter said, quote, I pray this information is meaningless and I have no proof of any wrongdoing. I want to give the benefit of the doubt until proven otherwise. However, I will not turn a blind eye to my suspicions. The woman wrote that her grandson had been visiting her in early August for 12 days, starting August 1st of 2009. He helped her with some repairs to her home before he took off on August 12th. She also said in the letter that every day after her grandson worked on the house, he would leave for four to five hours and then come home at around midnight. But on Tuesday, August 11th, he left and didn't come back until seven o'clock the next morning. When he got back, he was covered in scratches on his face and his neck, and he told his grandmother that he was in a fight and wanted to go back home. According to this woman, home was in Florida, and her grandson allegedly did not make it back to Florida until August 15th. Since this was an anonymous letter, officers had no way of contacting the sender directly, so the GBI released an open letter to the grandmother that read, quote, Dear Concerned Grandmother, 
You cannot ignore the chain of coincidences surrounding your grandson's 12-day stay with you in August of 2009. I believe you are a godly and caring person. You made the right decision by contacting us with your letter. I now ask you to continue your journey with us and contact me. I understand that you have concerns about your family, and I ask that you pray about your decision and do what is right. So upon learning about this anonymous letter, Christy's mom, you know, she wants to speak out. She makes this video of herself pleading with the grandmother who wrote this letter to come forward. She was kind of saying, like, you know, we're very similar. You know, I'm a grandmother. I'm, you know, basically just help, you know, please do the right thing and please contact police. The video was released by numerous agencies, but unfortunately, the grandmother who sent this letter never did come forward. In fact, no one ever came forward as the author of the letters, and the police could never prove or disprove any connection between the grandmother and the suspect that they were looking for. Man, I can't imagine being the family. You hear that this letter exists, that there could be the suspect, that someone is holding this information, and you don't know who it is. You just right. have no idea. I can't imagine what that kind of does to you. Just, you know, yeah, this is like finally something. Something could be coming of it, you know? Right. And still, of course, more months pass. And then in April of 2010, investigators got an unexpected break. Authorities from Gilmer County, Georgia, contacted the GBI that was handling Christie's case and asked for their help investigating the rape of a 19-year-old Kennesaw State student. The woman reported to authorities that she had met up with a relative of hers named Scott Carringer in the parking lot of a Dick's Sporting Goods where he took her against her will to a dirt logging type road is what she called it off of Georgia 515 where he then raped her. Scott then drove the girl back to town and let her go and she drove herself straight to North Georgia Medical Center and reported the assault. The following day, police had a warrant out for the arrest of Scott Carringer and sent out a bolo for his car a black Xterra. While GBI investigators were helping look into this guy, Scott, they uncovered some information that led them to believe that Scott was also involved in the attempted abduction of the woman in North Carolina and possibly the abduction of Christy Cornwell. What they learned was that at the time Christy was taken, Scott was living in Young Harris, which is less than 10 miles from Blairsville. Scott was originally from the town of Brasstown, North Carolina, which is about 12 miles east of Ranger, where the attempted abduction had taken place. But the real kicker was that they learned that in addition to the black Xterra that was used to abduct and rape his relative, Scott also owned a silver Xterra that at one point had a brush guard on the front of it. The more investigators dug, the more they found. And so at this point, it's now April of 2010, and it's been six months since Christy was taken. It was learned that Scott Carringer had possibly struck again, only this time his victim wasn't an adult woman. It was a child. On April 4th, 2010, a 10-year-old girl was nearly snatched from an Easter egg hunt at Hunter Station Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama. The child managed to escape and the kidnapper drives off, but this whole ordeal was captured on security cameras at the church. The little girl was seen on the footage hiding Easter eggs with her brother when a man in a black Xterra with distinct features, he had specialized wheels, running bars, and a luggage rack, drives past the siblings, and then circles back around and stops to talk to them. The driver of the SUV quickly pushes the brother out of the way and grabs the little girl and throws her into the back of his car. But she jumped out of the back seat while it was backing out of the parking lot, and she ran to safety. Thankfully, these two kids were unharmed, although I'm sure traumatized by this, and it really appeared to be another random attack. And we're going to get back into more of the story after one last break to hear word from this week's sponsors. 
There's never been a better time to take care of yourself than now. Whether something in your life is interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, the licensed professional therapists with BetterHelp want to help you become the best you this year. BetterHelp is professional counseling that you can do right from the comfort of your home through weekly video or phone sessions. I've used BetterHelp for almost two years, and I can't tell you what a relief it is just to get all my thoughts out to a professional without having to leave the house. I deal with anxiety and depression and have most of my adult life. So just having someone that I can talk through different scenarios or those big immediate problems that pop up in life has really been invaluable, especially this last year. Of course, anything you share with your BetterHelp counselor is completely confidential. And best of all, BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling. Financial aid is also available. Whether you're struggling with family issues, sleep, stress, or more, BetterHelp will match you with your own licensed professional therapist and you can start communicating with them in under 24 hours. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. We want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com moms. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, Dot com slash moms. This content is sponsored by Agency. I'm coming up on my 38th trip around the sun, and while some days I really feel it, I don't have to look it thanks to Agency. Agency is a custom formula that works just for you because it's custom to you. When I was younger, I just slept on whatever drugstore brand face wash there was and just went about my business. But now that me and my skin have matured, I need something that works for those skin issues I've had, things like fine lines and dark spots. When I started working with Agency, I simply uploaded my photos to their website and answered a few questions about my skin, goals for my skin, and things I wanted to work on. I was matched with a dermatology provider who set up a custom formula just for me, as well as a skincare routine I began to work on. What I really like, though, is that my dermatology provider has checked in on me to make sure I'm happy with my progress. Now, normally with things, I don't want to rock the boat, so I'd never write in asking for changes. But since my dermatology provider actually contacted me, I felt comfortable sharing that my skin was over drying at first. My dermatology provider was more than happy to switch my formula up, and now I'm seeing even better results in my fine lines and dark spots and keeping my skin from over drying. Remember, results may vary. Go to withagency.com moms for a free 30-day trial. Just pay $4.95 for shipping and handling. That's withagency.com slash moms to unlock your free 30-day trial. See withagency.com for all the details. Subject to consultation. Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. 
You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for Dash Pass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. Dash Pass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with Dash Pass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for Dash Pass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for Dash Pass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. And now back to the episode. So before the break, we were talking about how investigators who were looking into the disappearance and abduction of Christy Cornwell followed some leads that led them to this man, Scott Carringer. And they believe that he was the one who was responsible for not only Christie's abduction, but also other crimes that had happened recently. Although these crimes were spread out all over different states, so they're still trying to figure out how these are all connected, but they're pretty sure that they are. So who was Scott Carringer and where exactly did he come from? We don't really know a lot, actually. He was born on December 26, 1967 in North Carolina to his parents, James and Janice. Other than the fact that he graduated from high school in 1986, there's not really a lot known about his childhood. But in 2000, he put himself on the police's radar when he was arrested in North Carolina on a felony charge of assault to inflict serious injury. He took a deal and pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor in that case. Prior to 2009, Scott had worked as a home builder and appraiser, and he co-owned and operated the appraisal agency, but he hadn't renewed his license since 2002, and the status of his license was listed as revoked. At the time of this story, Scott was not employed. He was living in Young Harris, Georgia, after becoming estranged from his wife Judy and their two children, Haley and James. Unfortunately, this really is all we know about Scott. On April 8, 2010, any opportunity to learn more was taken away. Four days after the attempted child abduction, police in Buckhead, which is the rich part of Atlanta that we've talked about before, got a call at around 5.30 a.m. regarding a suspicious vehicle. It was a black Nissan Xterra with all the features that Scott Carringer was known to have on his vehicle, and it was parked behind a pizza restaurant when it was called in. When officers arrived and approached the vehicle, they saw that there was a man inside. This man identified himself as Scott Carringer, and he told the officers that he had explosives and a gun and that he was suicidal. At this point, the officers backed off while they called in a SWAT team and secured the surrounding area, closed off the street, and waited for more help to arrive. The officers responding knew that Scott had a warrant out for his arrest, but they had to wait for instruction before moving forward. Unfortunately, about 20 minutes after the police found Scott, they heard a gunshot come from inside of his vehicle. Shortly before 8 that morning, a bomb squad robot approached the Xterra and used an explosive device to blow out a window. When officers cautiously made their way up to the Xterra, they found 42-year-old Scott dead of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. The vehicle was cleared of any explosive devices. 
One Atlanta officer noticed that there might be a connection between the black Xterra Scott had just shot himself in and the black Xterra involved in the attempted child abduction in Alabama a few days earlier, so he notified the Montgomery police. By April 15th, they were able to confirm that Scott was the person who attempted to kidnap the little girl. They couldn't figure out what he was doing or why he was in Alabama in the first place, but his estranged wife did tell the police that Scott would often be away from home in unknown locations for days at a time. Imagine how scary that is for her. So they are coming and talking to her and like, you know, trying to get information. And she's saying, yeah, he was gone. It sounds like he was gone quite a bit for her to say unknown locations for days at a time. And you have to wonder what else. I mean, these are just things we kind of think he could be linked in or, you know, some they, right. they know more to be certain. But, of course, he died. So he was never, you know, he never went to jail for any of this, whatever. But they're having to think, oh, my gosh, there could be so – they still might not know everything that this guy right. has done. I mean, somebody like this doesn't do this one time. They do it until they're caught or they're dead. And, oh, man, it's just scary. Right. In mid-May 2010, officials announced that they were looking at Scott as being a likely suspect in the disappearance of Christy Cornwell. During their investigation into Scott, they found out that he had sold the brush guard that used to be on his silver Xterra. He had two Xterras, as we said before. One was black and one was silver. Officers tracked down the silver Xterra and processed it looking for evidence that might prove Scott was responsible for Christy's abduction, but they didn't find anything noteworthy in the car. Sadly for Christy's family, the one-year anniversary of her abduction came and went, and they still didn't have any answers about what really happened to her. Investigators had conducted over 1,200 investigative acts, not including the 11 days they spent searching for her. They also investigated 776 tips through the tip line and held interviews at 450 different houses in the area. The case file on Christy was 38 volumes large. In late December 2010, well over a year since Christy had been taken, the GBI used Scott's cell phone pings to find out where he was at around 11.30 p.m. on the night that Christy disappeared. They narrowed it down to a two-square-mile area that was about nine miles away from where she was abducted. The GBI tells Christy's brother Richard about this and said they were planning to search the area in late January of 2011. But Richard was really tired of waiting. He now has a little more information, and he wants to find his sister. So as we said before, he had given up his career. He did everything. He was working around the clock to find his sister. He wasn't going to wait another month. Like He he was like, this is what I'm doing. So when Richard finds out about this two-square-mile thing, he was determined to get out there and search every square foot of it himself. Richard's a smart guy. He sets out on this task with a process and a plan in mind for covering the ground. And he begins his search at the end of December. On January 1st, 2011, Richard was searching the area just south of the North Carolina border when he tragically found Christy's skeletal remains. Her body had been burned and her remains were partially covered by debris. By January 3rd, the GBI had confirmed that the remains did belong to Christy Cornwell. Unfortunately, since Scott ended his own life, there's no way to find out for sure what happened that night or why he did what he did. Scott's never been proven as Chrissy's killer, but it's pretty widely accepted that he did do it. Agent Mike Ayers said, quote, Scott Carringer is our primary suspect and has been for a long time, end quote. Investigators also said that Scott went to great lengths to cover his tracks, including altering his vehicle, burning the victim's body, and possibly even sending that bogus tip letter. 
The envelope those came in were written in purple ink, and police did find several purple pens in Scott's house, along with calendar entries written in the same purple ink. I hope and pray that that was not actually connected. That upsets me so much. All of it's upsetting. It's all so upsetting. That's so devious to turn on this whole, if, you know, allegedly, if he put on this whole grandma and I just want to do the right thing. It's just playing games with the police and with the family. To throw them off. Oh my gosh. It's just terrible to even think about. And, and why, you know, and these are the kind of cases that I wish I did know a little bit more about his background and, you know, where he came from. We didn't have a lot of information on him, but it's just so hard to imagine a person doing this and trying to kidnap a little girl and just all of that. It's like, oh my goodness, there was a lot going on in this story. And and the way that they ended up finding out, you know, who he was, was all of it was just so, it was crazy. Yeah. Honestly, it took luck. It took people going to police. It took, you know, it took a lot of things to come together for them to put it together because the MO isn't really the same in all these. He hits one lady with his car, which Granted, it's the car and, you know, he grabs Christy. He kidnaps a little girl. Like, it doesn't really make sense. It's It's all over the place. It feels like it's all over the place. Abduction seems to be the only, like, common factor there. But, yeah, and then you just have to wonder, like, that quote from his wife just kind of gave me – or his estranged wife kind of gave me chills because you think – they might not ever know what else he could right. have been involved in. And right. my gosh, that's just, that's a lot. But I am so impressed with Chrissy's family and just the love they had for her and how amazing her family was and her brother Definitely. to just give up yeah. everything to look for her. And that's just, I think, a real tribute to the kind of person she was. And they were able to do that. Not everybody can, but it, it's just incredible. And those kind of stories just really touch your heart. I just have a lot of respect for their family. Definitely, for sure. Okay, so we're going to switch gears and move on to last thing before we go. We're going to turn the page, rather, and move on to last thing before we go. And so this week, sometimes for last thing before we go, we have it set up where Melissa will ask me questions or have me do silly fill-in-the-blank things. But this time, we're going to switch it up. I'm going to be the one asking the – I'm going to do the questions. I'm asking the I'm, questions. I'm going to be the one asking the questions. <laughs> Fine so, with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is an exciting turn of events. Very exciting for last thing before we go. Way to change it up. So we're going to do some fun summer-related trivia questions. If there's anyone I know who loves trivia, it's Melissa. I love it so much. <laughs> it's so Melissa. Much. So we're going to start off with an easy one, and then we'll go on. We'll get on to the harder ones. I'm a little stressed, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> okay, so here is your easy one. What vitamin can you get from direct sunlight? Vitamin D. Vitamin D. All right, so what summertime smell is said to elicit happy memories in people? I'm going to be so mad if it's coconut because oh, I gosh, no. hate that smell. Me too. It just reminds me of um, sunscreen and ooh, I hate it. Um, okay, so it's not coconut. I don't know. What would it be? Sunburn smell of fresh cut grass. That's not a thing. I have never stepped outside after the grass has been cut and what? smelled something. Never. Oh, what? <laughs> never. I love the smell. You know, Yankee Candle even has a fresh cut grass candle and it smells exactly like fresh cut grass and I love it so much. It smells so fresh and just outdoorsy. Just I hate to tell I you. I love it. 
they're lying to you. That is not, that's not a smell. <laughs> it's, it's totally a smell. But no, I'm totally with you on no coconut. I hate the like coconut lime <sighs> lotions. Oh my no. gosh. It's just awful. I hate those smells. Mm-hmm. And I think people who aren't from like beachy places like them because it reminds them of the beach. But for me, like it just reminds me of being gross at the beach, like sticky and just right. like. Sand all over yeah, you. Yeah. Fish falling out of your bathing suit. Yeah, it's a whole yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Okay, next, next one. Before country time, pink lemonade powder was a thing. What was the most traditional way to make pink lemonade? Squeezing lemons and putting sugar in it? Homemade lemonade? Am I an idiot? How would you make it pink? Oh, how would you make it pink? Yes. You would feed it shrimp and then it would turn (laughs) pink. Ew, I just had like a Raspberries? No, it's more disgusting than raspberries. So they would actually add a few drops of beet juice to regular Ugh. lemonade to make it pink. That is so awful. And now I feel like I don't even know. I've never been able to pinpoint what is the difference between pink lemonade and regular. I feel like I pink lemonade was... is sugary, more sugary. Maybe that's it. Yeah, it's like a little more sweet and less tart, I guess. But it's, I do love – It doesn't taste if like I have... beets. No. <laughs> but if there's the two choices, I'm going to do pink lemonade. Yeah, well, me too, just because, yeah, of course, obviously. (laughs) But I don't even know why. I know. It's a mental thing. It it is totally a mental thing. It makes no sense. Ask myself some questions. Right? Okay. So, Melissa, what state has the largest water park in the U.S.? Oh, my gosh. Um, I don't think it's us. It's not us. Is it Ohio? Close. Pennsylvania. no. No. No, but you're, okay, you're I don't know geography. <laughs> you are you're in the you're in the region, I think. It's in Wisconsin, believe it or not. Wisconsin. Which is like, yeah, yeah. Which is like, go you guys, go Wisconsin. I am so excited. That makes me want to come visit. I love water parks. And yeah, they have the largest one. It's called Noah's Ark and it is America's largest oh. water park. And I guess they have like a whole water park town or something there it's like more than just that one from what i was reading yeah there's like an indoor one so yeah if you thought that wisconsin was not a place that you should look into for a vacation destination i would beg you to reconsider because they have water parks there which again i just was blown away i didn't think wisconsin would be known for their water parks but yeah how cool is that they have cheese they've won me over (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely okay Melissa, what percentage of watermelon is actually percentage. just water? <laughs> um, oh, gosh. So are we counting like rind and stuff or just the – I don't know. I didn't I didn't look into it. Just I need how, specifics. <laughs> or how much – what percentage of watermelon is just water? 75%. What? 90%, believe it or not. Whoa. Yeah. I thought I was going too far. Yeah. And here's another one that will blow your mind. How many varieties of watermelon do you think exist? 500 over a thousand why isn't that crazy and like where are they then I always wonder that when I read these kind of things when they're like oh there's over a thousand varieties of watermelon okay well then why is there always the same one in the store like why don't you ever see stupid one every time (laughs) well I I saw something with yellow watermelons I haven't tried those and I don't know how keen I am to trying them but um, yeah yeah. I'm interested. I want to see somebody else eat it first. And yeah. if they don't die, I'll try it. I would do it. I would do it. I would take one for the team and do it for you. Thank you. Okay. Next one. A traditional Chicago-style hot dog has what strange topping on it? Sauerkraut? 
No, I don't strange. think people think that's strange. Yeah, I think it's strange. Chili. No, that's. That's also not strange. From To me, it is. Ketchup, mustard, mayonnaise, oh that's all you need. You Relish, are... I would also consider weird, but I know that's not going to be it. So this Hold is on, something give me a second. This is something that um, the question when I found it didn't say strange topping. Um, it just said what topping is on a, a traditional Chicago style hot dog. I say it's strange because it does not go on a hot dog usually. Ooh, okay. All right. Um, I want to say fruit. Let's say pineapple just to mix it up, but I will Ew. die before I do that. <laughs> Go ahead. No, it's um, tomato slices. No. Keep no. your health to yourself. Know, but this who's is... eating tomato slices on a hot dog? I guess traditional Chicagoans. <laughs> um, I've seen your pizzas. You don't need to be putting tomatoes on hot dogs. <laughs> like, Let's live it up. Yeah, seriously. Okay. Last one. July, since we are now in July, has been deemed National Blank Month. Friendship Month. Oh, my gosh. No. Think more fun. Well, I guess friendship is fun. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. What is this? Our four-year anniversary? I'm so sorry, Mandy. I'll never say friendship is fun again. Um, let's see. National uh, National Baked Beans Month. <laughs> No, that's you would, fun to me. <laughs> you would love that, though, wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> no, July is National Ice Cream Month, so get out there and oh, enjoy month? some ice cream. Yeah, well, I mean, that's mm. all you need, right? <laughs> yeah, I think IBS is going to be triggered on that one. I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you wanted to eat beans. <laughs> True, but dairy. I, the older I get, the more dairy is just like it's like alarm bells going off. Yeah. <laughs> You can like yourself while you're eating this and hate yourself for the next 24 hours. So True gotta make story. some tough decisions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, those are some fun um summertime yeah, trivia fun. questions. Maybe you learned something. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you already knew that they put beets in lemonade and called it pink lemonade. That's not <laughs> mm -mm, that's from Dwight Schrute's town of facts or something. I have no idea. That's crazy. <laughs> All right, guys. We will be back next week. Same time, same place new story happy for your anniversary mandy happy for your anniversary melissa all right <laughs> bye bye thanks so much for listening to the moms and murder podcast make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode you can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime thanks so much